Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right, y'all friends ready? You friends, ready to go? Are you ready to go today? We're going to jump into the message. We are in week number five of our series, There's More. When you come to the end of yourself, there's more. Everyone say, there's more. more. I hope and pray that you believe that. You know, my hope and prayer through this entire summer as we go through this series is that you really come to believe that even more than you do now, that you believe that truly God has more for you. I want you to think about it in the context of even today. Like when you decided to come to church today, what was your expectation in coming here? Did you believe that God had something more for you today? Did you believe that God had something special for you today? Did you believe that God was going to move and transform you today? What was your expectation? Did you believe that there was something more? Or did you believe maybe it was the same as it was last week? For most of us, our expectations with God, whether it be coming to church on a Sunday or whether it be when we're praying, Our expectations are consistent with our past experiences versus a future promise. Meaning we expect good or bad based on what's already happened instead of a faithful belief that God's going to do more. So, for funsies today, let's think about this on a scale of expectancy, all right? Would you you say your level of spiritual expectancy is say a one or a 10? Do you have hopeful, highly expectant outlook on life and spiritual things coming to pass in your life? Or do you have a doubtful, despairing, sort of fearful or even mundane outlook? So again, on this scale, I want you to rank yourself today. Give yourself a number. These things usually aren't all that healthy, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, I want to give yourself a number one one through 10. One being, of course, highly uncertain, highly despairing, discouraged, apathetic, don't expect more from God. 10 being highly certain, highly hopeful, encouraged that God will do immeasurably more than you can imagine at any moment. Now the chances are you don't live at either end of the spectrum consistently. You're not typically a one and you're not typically a 10. But where do you put yourself? Give yourself a score. Everybody got one in their head? Go ahead. Get it. You got it. Whatever number you gave yourself, obviously it's subjective to you, and it really only does one thing for us today. It helps you begin to consider where you are and the area of belief that God's going to do more in your life. And I'm not saying the general belief that God can do more, but the belief that God will do more that he will give more, that he will provide more, that he will help more, that he will heal more, that he will forgive more, fill more, that you believe that those things will certainly come. And I want all of us today to think about this in the context of spiritual expectancy. Because we all want to be at 10 at times, at all times, but that's, that's probably not going to happen for most of us. But what if we could just take it up a notch? What if we can go, if, for example, from a five to a seven? Or what if we can go from an eight to a nine or a two to a four or a three to a six? What if you could just take it up a few notches 
and your expectation for God to move and for God to do more because we want to grow our faith. Isn't that why we're here? We want to grow our faith. Are y'all with me? Do y'all want to grow your faith? Do we want to have a higher spiritual expectancy? Do we want to take it from here to here? Do we want to have greater spiritual confidence? That's what we're doing, right? That's why we come to church. That's why we get around other believers because we want to believe that God can do more because we come to the end of yourself. I just want to tell you some good news today. There's more. Are y'all with me? The title of today's message is this. More to come in a culture of uncertainty. It's clear that we live in uncertain times, don't we? All you have to, have, all you have to do is start thinking or considering questions about the future. For example, what is your confidence level in our economy? <laughs> when I filled up for 4.30 last night, $4.30 for a gallon of gas, I was a little uncertain. How about your health? Some of us are facing uncertain health concerns. Or career, perhaps you are facing questions about your career, your job. What are you going to do? Or perhaps bigger questions about the state of our nation, and you wonder, it feels shaky or uncertain. Will our kids, our grandkids experience a different America? Uncertainty can certainly come in the form of worry. It can be the fear of the unknown. It could also be feelings of instability or the lack of control. There's actually a field of study in cross-cultural psychology called uncertainty avoidance, where people are trying to avoid uncertainty. And this is how uncertainty avoidance is defined. The extent to which the members of a culture, we are members of a culture, are we not? We are members of a culture. The extent to which members of a culture feel, un, or feel threatened by ambiguous or unknown situations and have created beliefs and institutions that try to avoid these. That's from Gert Hofstede. I like good old Gert or Geert, whatever you want to say. So to avoid uncertainty, right, cultures will create systems that are more predictable, that are safer, that are lower risk sort of environments that have minimal changes. And so some cultures create strong united belief systems, right? Oftentimes governmentally enforced belief systems, strong systems of hierarchy and organization, all with the attempts to solidify control, to avoid uncertainty. And so they like minimal changes in politics. Cultures that do these sorts of things, they are, they are literally trying to make their future certain. They want predictability and control over their environments and their future. This may sound like your life, but in terms of our culture, I don't know if this is us, this could be a governmental or societal kind of control. Typically, these are cultures that have high levels of control and a lot of stability. The ones that rank the highest in the world are places like Japan and Denmark. They have high high uncertainty avoidance. Guess who has a really low uncertainty avoidance? <laughs> right here, the U.S., right? We rank near the bottom. We don't avoid uncertainty, do we? We don't have a united belief system. It's a melting pot of religious ideologies and beliefs. We're a nation built on belief that no hierarchy structure should exist. You should be able to rise and fall on your own merit. We, we don't like any sort of uh, we want unlimited freedom, therefore we, we don't want pe things that, to feel controlled. Uh, we, we, even in politics, it's been changing. There's lots of changes in politics, right? And what we are seeing is we have a culture that doesn't avoid uncertainty. We live in a culture 
that fully embraces it, and we accelerate it. So we live in a culture that even if in your mind you want to avoid it, we live in a culture that accelerates it. And culturally, we've all accepted a measure of uncertainty. But in the last few decades, this has come to a boiling point. And this boiling point is showing itself in things such as mental health, anxiety, stress. So many people are broken and undone over fear and uncertainty. And I know we talk about these things so often in the church, but the reason we're talking about them is because they become more and more prevalent. They continue to grow, and it's something that most of, many of us are dealing with. So today, I want to speak into this, but I don't want to speak directly into those issues of mental health and anxiety. But I want to talk, to the good, talk about some good news that we're going to get into that is intended to be a deposit of spiritual confidence to increase your spiritual expectancy level. All right? Everyone say spiritual confidence. I want to teach from a passage today that is about the ultimate there's moment in a time of uncertainty. The passage I'm going to teach from is actually in reference to a significant moment in history that is important on this day, today, on the global church calendar. The Christian, the Christian church around the world is recognizing something important today. Does anybody know what it is? Mm. My man. The day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. I don't know if you got an answer slipped to you. I don't know if you knew it. It was your wife? Okay. Proper credit due. I knew it couldn't have been you. Kiana, way to go. All right, here we go. So here's the deal. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, happy Pentecost. Pentecost. Now look at your neighbor and say, happy birthday. birthday. Look at your other neighbor and say, happy Pentecost. So Pentecost is the day we recognize of the birthplace of the church, the capital C church. Essentially, today is the birthday of this gathering of believers that that we do today. For lack of better words... When I talk about Pentecost, I want you to know that this is one of the most significant, most stunning, most tremendous and powerful moments in the history of the world. And before I get too deep on it, if you don't know what Pentecost is, what we're going to be referencing today is an event that happened in Acts chapter 2 with the disciples and the Holy Spirit of God. We're going to get into that in a moment, but I want to try and lead you up to that moment. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. This is where Jesus gives some of his final instructions to his disciples. And, I, and remember, this is a moment, this is a there's more moment in a time of uncertainty. Verse number 4. While he was eating with them, Jesus was eating with the disciples. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Everyone say wait. Wait. How many know that God loves a lot of things that we don't really like? God loves discipline. We don't really like it. God loves holiness. We're not a big fan. God loves humility. Mm. God loves waiting. How many know that sometimes you actually have to learn to love the things you don't like? we got to join God in loving that. So wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going to 
at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So they think this is it. This is the end. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. How many people want certainty about things in your life, but God is saying, it is not for you to know that. Instead, but Jesus isn't done. He says, instead of me telling you that, verse 8, Instead, or but, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He's like, I'm going to give you an upgrade, though. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before them, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Now, if you've ever read this and like, what is that about? This is a significant moment right here. This isn't even Pentecost, right? This is what is called the ascension of Jesus. Jesus went and took his rightful place. He ascends back to heaven, took his rightful place on the throne of God at the right hand of the Father. And this day was actually celebrated on the church calendar 10 days ago. So the resurrection happens, 40 days occurs, the ascension happens in Acts 1, and then we're going to see Pentecost at 50 days after Easter. We'll talk about all that in a minute. I love this next verse. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, as you do. (laughs) Jesus is hidden in a cloud. I'm staring too. And And then it says this, when two men dressed in white stood beside them. It says suddenly, right? How many know that God does things suddenly? Hmm. Sometimes we've got to notice the things that he does suddenly. Men of Galilee, they asked, why do you stand here looking into the sky? <laughs> why, what are you staring at? Stop scaring, staring at the sky and go do what you're supposed to do. You ever get caught staring at someone? They look at you and you're staring at them. You're like, what? I was just I was standing at the wall behind you. Stop staring. Go and Wait. Verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room known as the upper room where they were staying. Those present were, let's just go through it, Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the Zealot, Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer. I love that. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, it says later in this, there's 120 other believers that were gathered with them. So they are doing what Jesus said to do. They go and they wait. Jesus didn't tell them how long to wait. He told them where to wait and what they were waiting on. He didn't tell them how long, though. They had no idea how long they were going to have to wait. So the scriptures indicate, again, 120 or so followers gathered in Jerusalem, waiting on the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised would come. Now, the disciples weren't ignorant of the Holy Spirit. They hadn't received the Holy Spirit, but they weren't completely ignorant. Jesus had given them a taste of the Holy Spirit a few times. In Luke chapter 10, if you remember the story, Jesus sends out his disciples to go and do ministry. They actually have power to trample over the works of the enemy. They heal people. They get a taste of the Holy Spirit when Jesus was with them, but they hadn't fully yet received him. So they had a little bit of knowledge, but don't you know they were sitting around waiting going, what are we waiting on now? There was a time of uncertainty and unknowns on exactly what they're waiting on when it was arrives. It's that 
feeling you get whenever someone says, hey, you've never met them, you've never even seen them, but you're meeting them for some reason, and you go and meet them, and they text you, and they say, hey, I'm wearing a black shirt, and you look around, and everyone's wearing a black shirt. <laughs> and you're like, what exactly am I looking for? I want you to just consider this moment for the disciples. Over the past three years, they had completely upended their lives. They had abandoned their careers. They had walked away from their traditions. They had risked their lives. And now they had witnessed Jesus be crucified. Then 40 days, and then three days later, he's resurrected. Then 40 days later, he goes up into the sky. Don't you know, they're sitting there going, Jesus lifts off, right? And they're standing there staring at the sky. And don't you know they were thinking, now what? He said, go and wait. Go wait on what? You talk about uncertain, unknowns. I have no idea what to do with my life. My life is no longer what it used to be. I have no idea where to go from here. And God wants me to go and wait on something I don't exactly know what I'm waiting on. You ever feel like spiritual encouragement is always the same? Trust God, just wait on him. <laughs> Stick it out, brother. Stay strong, sister. I don't have any answers for you, but if you just trust the Lord, just wait on him. You know, that's actually pretty good advice. And it's stories like these that remind you of how true it is. It reminds you that, 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 that we have to understand that when... When we don't know the dates or times, it's not a matter of will he. It's a matter of understanding that not only will he be faithful, but he will provide. He will get you through. He will do more. These kind of stories reinforce the spiritual confidence that, yes, there are times when we trust and we wait. So the disciples gather and they wait. <laughs> But again, how long? They don't know if they're waiting for an afternoon, a day, three days, 30 days. They don't really know for sure. They had no idea that God was about to partner his next main event, if you will. His next main event with the, with the, uh, the, the Pentecost. He had partnered the previous main event with the Passover, right? The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus happened during the Passover festival. Well, the next religious festival on the Jewish calendar was Pentecost. And the disciples were nearing Pentecost. The Passover was over. The next festival was the Pentecost. Pentecost actually means 50th, meaning it was 50 days after Passover. And Pentecost was the festival of the first fruits. The full wheat harvest had not yet come in, but people could actually bring the first fruits of that wheat harvest and offer it unto the Lord to say, thank you, God. And then whenever this happened, another festival was underway. And this festival, like the Passover, becomes an international event. People from all over the region, including international, would come into Jerusalem during that week, and you'd have this huge event with all sorts of people, all sorts of worshipers, merchants, travelers from all over, in this conglomeration, if you will, of thousands and thousands of people crammed into the city. So the disciples are gathered there in the city between the ascension that happened at 40 days and Pentecost, which happens at 50 days. So they're waiting for 10 days, which doesn't sound like that 
long, but have you ever sat around and waited on something for 10 days that you thought could arrive any minute? Right? Like, I don't like to wait 10 seconds on anything or 10 minutes. How many of you, when driving up to a red light, look for the shorter lane? Because you want that precious 10 seconds, let alone 10 days. So you probably understand this already, but waiting with God and with the Lord is another way of saying preparing. When we wait, we prepare. And we prepare, when we prepare, we prioritize. So you understand we only prepare for the things that we prioritize. Waiting with God is a way of prioritizing God. It's a way to make him first in your life. It's to say, I'm putting everything else on hold because I'm going to wait on God. Here's the thing. I don't wait on things I don't care about. I only wait on the things I care about. I wait on God. So they've been waiting with what's happened. That was just for you, for, your, for free. Yeah, there you go. Take that. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Here you go. This is Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were in the upper room praying. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. suddenly. How many know that you got to be paying attention to suddenly? A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Everyone say rest. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this is another like woe moment. The importance of this moment cannot be overstated. The disciples were together, and a nearly indescribable sound fills the house. It's like a furious, violent wind. People who are, go through the, the horrific uh, act of a tornado, they, they describe the sound like a jet engine or a train coming through the house. It's kind of like this. And this is the sound, if you will, of heaven coming and crashing into earth in this moment. Throughout the scriptures, the sign of the Holy Spirit has often been portrayed as the breath of God or the wind of God. And here we read the account of the sound of heaven, the sound of the Holy Spirit being poured out on his disciples. I mean, this is truly a glorious moment. It's truly unfathomable. This week, as I spent time with the story, I was just I was literally just being undone by just the power of this moment where God sends his spirit to indwell his people. It says that when they saw, they, it says that it seemed, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came to rest on each of them. Many Bible scholars have tried to figure out what this means. What does it mean, tongues of fire? Well, the visualization of tongues is believed to represent the enabling of the disciples to proclaim the word of God with supernatural power. Later that same day, if you know this story, they would miraculously speak in other languages, languages they couldn't previously speak to this international event. They would speak them, but in the course of time, the believers would be giving an especial anointing on their words to proclaim the kingdom of God, to proclaim the message of Jesus. Their words would speak with supernatural power the words would be anointed, similar to how Jesus, when he came, he said, I have come to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. This is now being passed to the believers through the power of the Holy Spirit. The tongues of fire are believed 
to represent the refining fire that the Holy Spirit brings upon his believers. The Holy Spirit refines us and purifies us. So the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of his spirit comes and rests on the disciples. You understand that this is not just about these disciples, these 120. This is our story. He anoints their proclamations to supernaturally communicate and he purifies them. This is how the Holy Spirit begins his work in all of us. He comes and he rests on us. There's a moment at the beginning of the story of Jesus, very similar to this, Matthew 3.16. says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So at his baptism, the spirit comes down from heaven. The word alight means to descend from above. It comes down and it settles on Jesus. It rests on Jesus. The spirit comes and rests on him in this moment. And this is the exact same thing happening on the day of Pentecost. The spirit of God is coming and resting and alighting on his followers. Have I told you that this is a big moment yet? Have I told you how massive and huge and stunning and monumental this moment is? Have you got that yet? Cool. And here's why. Oh, here's why it's bigger than you can even imagine. Under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit rested on God's people as a nation. It rested on Israel. Under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit rests upon God's people as individuals. It came and sat upon them and enabled each of them. The old covenant was with Israel. The new covenant is with you and me. Do you understand how good that is? That God is with us. He's with you. Here's what's even crazier about this new thing God was doing. Remember, we got to make room for new things in life, don't we? Are you making room for new things? Some people during the days of Jesus weren't making room for the new thing that God was doing. They weren't expecting anything new. They weren't expecting anymore. But the day of Pentecost was not just about the festival of the fruit, first fruits. Jewish tradition also marked that day as the day when the law was given to Israel. So Jews would sometimes call Pentecost Shimchath Torah. I'll put it on the screen. Shimchath Torah. Everybody say Shimchath. Now say Shimchath Torah. That means joy of the law. So on Pentecost, people were celebrating that God had given them his word. They were celebrating the word of God. I want you to think about how beautiful this is. The day that God chooses to send his spirit is on the day that people are celebrating the word of God. He's like, hey, I'm so thankful you're celebrating my word. Now you get to celebrate my spirit on this day as well. And so he was ushering in a new era to where his people would be people of the word and the spirit. A new era of saying, we must be word and spirit people. How many of you know that sometimes people are all about the word of God and they rely very little on the spirit? And they can seem overly concerned with religious practice or overly concerned with knowledge and intellectualism. How many of you know that some people are all about the spirit of God, but they know very little about the word of God? 
And they're all about the spiritual experience and the moves and the winds. And they, they have very little knowledge of the word, but they love the spirit. But just like God gave us two legs to stand on, I believe he wants us to stand firmly on the two legs of word and spirit. Meaning, it's through both that we stand firm and are confident, not imbalanced in our faith, but strengthened and rooted in his word by being guided, empowered, and enabled, and inspired, and counseled by the Spirit. So the disciples, in this moment, they are uncertain. But God says, I will give you more than what you're asking for. Just go and wait. Go and trust me. I got more for you. You see, when we try and go through life only with the word, what happens is we don't really build a relationship with the Spirit of God, and we get stuck in the cycle of uncertainties because it's through a relationship with God and through the Spirit that we actually build an intimacy to know the heart and the mind of God so we can end up feeling empty and wondering if what we're giving our life to and our faith is really even worth it. And we try and go through life with only the Spirit of God and very little reliance on the Word, and we don't read the Word of God. We can get easily confused by the ideologies of this world that they confront us with, and we find ourselves trying to fight a battle in this world without a firm foundation, and we're easily tossed back and forth. And even worse, if we try and do life without the Word or the Spirit, we don't read or value the Word, we don't try and build a relationship with the Spirit of God, we live a life lost in the fray of all the world's confused ideas and secular values. So this day of Pentecost, it just, it, it breathes spiritual confidence, doesn't it? You want some confidence? I'm about to give it to you. There's more. Now, we don't have the time to dive into the story that unfolds in Acts chapter 2. I'm sure many of you know it if you've read this story, but the disciples are enabled. Remember it said that at the end of verse 4. They are enabled with the supernatural ability to speak in all sorts of different languages. Now, you've got to remember the context of the story. It's an international event in the city, people speaking all sorts of different languages, and then all of a sudden they're hearing the gospel proclaimed in their own language. And then guess what happens? Those people receive that message. They go back home to their international location. And guess what? They start telling that story in their language and a movement of the spirit is born. You think God knows what he's doing. It says that Peter preaches a dynamic message anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 believers were out of the church that day. The day of Pentecost was the day that the church was born. That's why I say happy birthday. The church, the body of Christ, came into existence on this very day. And today, the church around the world and many traditions are celebrating this very fact. So yes, this is a history-shaping moment. And I, I just want to bring some closure to this teaching portion, and then I want to go to the heart in just a second. But so a few things that can help you capture the, the power of the Pentecost in the scriptures. I'll put these on the screen. But at Pentecost, and I've already said this, but we witness the birthplace of the church where we become truly word and spirit people. At Pentecost, 
the Holy Spirit comes and rests on all believers, meaning he is with you. So we say these things a lot, don't we? We say he's with you, but this is where it starts. And, at, and number three, at Pentecost, we receive the enabling of the Holy Spirit. This is where, and, and it's through the Spirit that he empowers us. So this is significant. This is why it matters, because we can't be who we're supposed to be without Pentecost. Do you understand that? We can't feel the comfort and guidance of God's presence without Pentecost. We can't experience the breakthrough that we seek in life without Pentecost. It's through the Spirit that we experience those sorts of things. We can't be enabled with supernatural gifts without Pentecost. We can't be the church without Pentecost. Do you understand? This is massive, monumental, significant, stunning, all those things. So here's what I want to do. I want to end by returning to where we began. We live in a culture of uncertainty. Excuse me, we live in a culture that does not try to avoid uncertainty, but it wants to accelerate it. And I don't know about you, but I can feel disappointed, stressed out about the things that I don't know in life, the things that I feel uncertain about. And occasionally I have to wake up to what the things that I actually do know, because I so often focus on the things I don't know. Because God has already revealed so much to me through the Word and the Spirit. Do you know that revelation comes by the Word and Spirit? We find that we, we want the things you want revealed in your life, they're either hidden in His Word or in time in prayer through His Spirit. That God has already revealed so much about life, by the way. He's already revealed so much to you. And so often we're thinking about the things that are uncertain about our future, the things that we don't know about. And yet God is saying, but I've already revealed so much. But I do want you to think about this. How is the Holy Spirit maybe speaking to your heart today? What is the uncertainty in your life that just continues to fill your mind and heart? Because here's how I want to encourage you today. It's time to hear the words of Jesus. We'll go back to what we read a moment ago in Acts chapter 1, verse 7. He said, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. <laughs> Do you understand that this is the ultimate there's more statement in a time of uncertainty. He's like, they're worried about something. He says, you don't need to know that, but you're going to get power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You see, we want knowledge, but God wants to empower us. You see, we want certainty. Is it now, God? But God wants to unleash us as his witness. You see, we want finality. God, set up your kingdom now. God, give us the answer now. But God wants to journey with us. He wants to relate with us. He wants to rest on us. So I want you to just consider what's that thing that's stressing you out? And just realize that maybe God has something else in mind. Today is intended to be a deposit of spiritual confidence to increase your expectancy scale. Tomorrow, I want you to be able to say that thing that I don't know about the future, I don't know if I need to know it for now, 
but God, but God has given me power through the Holy Spirit. He rests on me and he enables me to do more. The Spirit of God rests on us to lead us with confidence in life. It's the gentle Spirit of God, but never forget that it is the violent wind and fire of God as well. He wants to be the wind and the fire and the power in your life. He wants you to be the confident, he wants to be the confidence in your life. And my hope today is that you truly will feel the wind of God in your life. The breath of God falling afresh on you. If you need a fresh burst of his presence today, maybe you just need to ask for it. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray for just that, that falling, that alighting of his spirit on his, on his people. Would you stand with me as we just pray for a few minutes and respond to the word? <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. <clears throat> come into this room, come move in our hearts. Will you come again and fall afresh on us, Holy Spirit? We believe you have more. We want to increase our expectations. We want to trust in you for the things we don't know yet, the things that we're uncertain about. In fact, in just a moment, for just a moment, I want you to this, what's that area of uncertainty in your life that has become an area of stress or anxiety or something unhealthy going on in your life or fear or worry, something that you think about way too much that you just want to trust the Lord in. What's that thing? Just get it in your head. <clears throat> and I just want to read this word to you again. It is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come in power that we can rest in you, that we can wait with you, that we'll lean into the things that you've already revealed, the things that you've already given, the things you've already provided. By your word and spirit, you've already given us so much. So just give them that area of uncertainty right now. Just give it to them. Say, God, I give this to you. Tomorrow I want to walk out and I want to be able to say that even though I don't know the times and dates, I know that God has given me power. I know God has given me the Holy Spirit, that God rests on me and enables me to do more. In a moment, this altar is gonna be open. You can come and you can just kneel and you can say, Lord, would you follow fresh on me? Would you give me spiritual confidence today? Prayer team will be here. You can pray with someone, you can pray on your own, but we're gonna sing and worship and respond with prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Pentecost. We thank you that you can be our confidence in a time of uncertainty pray these things in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.